Good morning, Walmart family. Uh, happy Lord's Day. And I know we're supposed to meet together, and I'm sorry, but just due to the outbreak, uh, I just want to feel safe for you and for us. We want to love you in this manner. So our passage this morning is taken from Psalms 121. If you would turn your Bibles with me, I will read to you this short psalm. Verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Will you pray with me? Our great God, our great shepherd of the sheep, we want to say thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to, to save us, not only from this life, but from the life to come. I thank you, God, that even in the midst of this pandemic, that you're protecting us. Even in the midst of this trials, Lord, we're trusting you that you have a way out, that you will show it. And we ask God, and and we know that we ask that you will comfort our hearts in during these times. And we pray for those who have tested positive, O oh Lord, that you will bring healing to them, O oh God, and they may see your grace and your mercy. And this we pray in your precious and holy name. Amen. The God who is my help, Psalms 121. The 121st Psalm has been one of my favorites for years. Uh, I suspect it has been for you as well. It's one of the staples of the faith we learn early on, uh, then repeat often, especially in times of trouble. Uh, Psalms 120 and the 134 are called Psalms of Ascent or Degrees, coming from a word that means to go up. They, they're also called uh, Pilgrim Psalms. Ten are unknown, four are are attributed to David, um, Psalms 122, 124, 131, 133, and, and 1, 127 was Solomon. They formed something of a traveler's hymnal as the Hebrew people would go out into Jerusalem to celebrate their three annual major feasts, Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the early summer, and the tabernacle in the fall. Many see this as a, as a hymn sung back and forth due to the change in subject from the first person to the third person. Others believe that this is an internal dialogue within uh, the person's soul, similar to what happened in Psalms 42 and Psalms 43. Uh, as they ascended to Jerusalem to attend its annual feast, their heart ascended uh, within them. If, if this was indeed the case, this hymn speaks very pointedly to us about how we regard public worship. Can, can we say honestly that our hearts ascend within us as we anticipate worship in, in the house of God? We, we should regard worship in, in the Lord's house with the Lord's people as a highlight of the week 
and look forward to it as we will do next week. And and I just want to say that when we're not meeting together, it's not the same. But I also also worth noting that the words first translate keep in verse 3 appear six times in the psalm. 3b, 4b, 5a, 7a, 7b, and 8a. And appears as preserved translated guard or to protect. In 7 through verse 8, the psalmist is telling us that help does not come from Baal or, or any other false god. And help does not come from our money, our stuff, our security, our systems, our politicians, the stock market. It just doesn't. The only one we can truly count on and rely on in any, on any day and any time is the Lord who is both creator of heaven and earth. His name is Jehovah. His name is Yahweh, which David mentions five times, who never sleeps or slumber, who is there day and night, who protects us from all evil now and forever. How comforting. So think of a traveling family reunion. Um, would sing the songs together, helping them focus on the Lord and all that he had done for them. But this song uh, raises a question for many of us. Why did God require them to make this long and difficult journey each year? And the answer for us is given by Warren Worsby, where he explains it this way. Under the leadership of Moses, the Israelites uh, were a nomadic people for 40 years. But after they settled in Canaan, the Lord required them to go up to Jerusalem three times a year. This reminded them that spiritually speaking, they were still a pilgrim people and needed to depend on the Lord. Same with us. In 1 Chronicles 29 verse 15, David says, For we are aliens and pilgrims before you. The, the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 11, 8 through 10, tells us that there are too many believers today. Uh, and, and sadly, many of us are what we call settlers and, and not pilgrims and, and strangers. We are happy to settle down in our lives, in our comfort zones, and live as though Jesus died, never died, or not coming again, and that our life will never end. Eugene Peterson said, that we are guilty of having a tourist mindset. Uh, a mindset that, that is okay, but makes occasional brief visit with the Lord that are, that are leisurely and entertaining all the while, conforming to this world and, and enjoying it. We are not of this world. Jesus in Luke chapter 10, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. And that, should, that we should make a difference in our lives and how we live. And the psalmist says that we need to feel temporary as we make this pilgrim journey called life. Let me share you with you four truths from Psalms 121. There's a marvelous tapestry concerning this God who is our source of help. Point number one, my Lord's power is before me. Verse 1 and 2, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The, the psalmist mentions the hills which are safe haven for robbers and, and from petty uh, terrorists 
This is the hill that leads to Jerusalem. Help is the word Ezer in Hebrew, meaning pertains to protection and, and guidance and blessing. Then the psalmist is asking, where and who is the one who will keep me from stumbling along life's difficult journey, life's unpredictable journey? Who will overshadow me and, and be by my side? Who will keep me from evil and never leave me or forsake me? Evidently, God likes high places. Think of Mount Moriah, where God provides a ram for Abraham, sparing his only son Isaac in Genesis 22. A preview of our God not sparing his own son Jesus as he paid in the full penalty of for all our sins. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul said, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Furthermore, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That's the gospel. Think of our Savior in, in Matthew 27 on Calvary's hill, bearing the full measure of God's wrath for sinners. Think of our Lord's Great Commission, in Matthew 28, delivered to us um, as a church on what Matthew calls the, the mountain which Jesus had appointed them to go into the world. I, I don't have to tell you that, that all the leading pharmaceutical companies are in a race to find a vaccine for the coronavirus. This, this tells us that even modern medicine can only do so much. But yet God could do so, so much more. For the moment, let's just say you're able to stay safe and healthy from this virus. But where does your help come from when things go bad? For example, when a relationship begins to fail, when your teenage son or daughter starts running with the wrong crowd, when your work becomes a chore that you can't even stand, when, when a loved one dies or is suffering from a chronic illness, when you suffer a crisis of faith and find it hard to pray or read your Bible, what then? Then you wonder to yourself, does God really care one way or the other? Issues like this are all too common. And, and the question is, when things go bad and your world seems to become or, or the world starts coming apart at the seams. Where does your help come from? The, the psalmist answers with a clear, certain voice saying, My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Listen, if you don't hear anything else in this sermon this morning, please hear this. If your help comes from anything or anyone else other than the Lord God Almighty, you're surely be disappointed. Family, friends, business associates, even your pastor, me, are likely to let you down when you need them, when you need me the most. Only God's ultimately steadfast and dependable. Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 21, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. 
All men will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. In other words, even in betrayal or death, the believer still comes out on top. What an amazing promise. The psalmist in verse 2 answers this question and takes a giant leap from the hills to the one who made them. To the one who made the universe. This is an, an argument from, from smaller to, to the greater. Uh, the creator God of Genesis 1 and 2 is, is the source of it, of its power. The source of ours. He'll help in times of trial and, and difficulty. Yahweh made heaven and earth. He made me. He made you. And he cares for me. He cares for you. And this omnipotent, powerful God, this omnipresent God, and this omniscient, knowledgeable God, He is great, powerful, and personal. Only God is ultimately steadfast and dependable. Over and over, the Bible tells us in Psalm 62, verse 2, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will never be greatly shaken. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalms 124, verse 8, our help is in the name of Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. The famous British preacher Charles Spurgeon said, what we need is help. Help powerful, efficient, constant. We need uh, a very present help in trouble. What mercy that we have in it, our God. So don't just look to the hills, but look to the one who made the hills. Look past the creation to the creator. Josh Moody says it well. Nature is not the solution. It points to the solution. Look beyond the mountain to the God who created them. Point number two. My Lord's providence is with me. Verse three and four. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or nor sleep. Like I said earlier, the, the psalmist shifts from the first to the third person as he talks with his own soul. This is a healthy soul kind of talk. I want you to notice four negative clauses which appears crucial to his argument. Uh, he said that the God who guards his chosen people's Israel is the same God who now guards me, who now guards you on a, on a personal level, on a day by day basis. He will not allow my foot, your foot to be moved, slip, slide, stagger, be shaken. It tells us that there, that he is watching over us all the time. Providentially, he is guarding us and, and guiding us. The, the psalmist mentions he keeps twice. When you build your life on God and his word, you are on solid ground. You have a firm foundation for your feet and for your life. Psalms 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. There are no accidents for those who put their faith in Christ. Everything 
that happens in your life takes place under God's providential care. In, in June chapter, uh, only one chapter, 24, 25, picks up on that fat, on this facet of God's character, applying it to the security of the believer in salvation. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. You see, with pagan gods, secretly they sleep and, and always in need of rest, but not the Yahweh, not the Jehovah God. Twice he said that he does not slumber, nor doze off, nor does he sleep, nor does he get tired, nor take naps, nor sleep, nor eat, or have a need of anything else. The implication for us here is if your God is sleeping when you need him the most, then you don't have much of a God, do you? Our God is always awake. He never falls asleep on the watch. And because God awake is awake, you can sleep. It's like a child who can't sleep until their parent promises to stay by their bedside. Then, then the child trustfully falls asleep knowing that, that his or her parent is there to watch over him or her. The same way with God. It doesn't matter what problem you're dealing with. You can leave it in God's hands and, and, and to go to sleep at, at night knowing that God will take care of it. He will take care of you. That is his promise to you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalms 34 verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous 24 seven and his eyes are open to their cry. Point number three. My Lord's presence is beside me. Verse 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on my right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The psalmist begins with two powerful promises that unfolds like a set of stairs with each additional step providing more and more promises and an assurance Warren Worthy says it well. Our keeper is on the throne looking down on us, but he is at our side to shield us from all harm. Jesus told his disciples when they pray to ask God to deliver them from evil. The word shade speaks of, of his protective presence, meaning he, he overshadows us with his care. The rephrase at your right hand speaks of his personal presence in your life. We have a personal God, not an absentee God. David wrote in Psalm 16 verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. God told Jacob in Genesis 28 verse 15, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. That means God goes with you every step of the way. He is always close. When I wake up, He is there. When I go to sleep, He is there. All through the day, all through the night, He is there. 
the sun and, and the moon stand for, for dangers that come in the day and in the night. Traveling through life, I will not fear the sunstrokes of day or, or, or the cold darkness and terror of the night. Because God is with me. A husband was leaving on a trip and prayed to his wife before he left. He says, Dear Lord, please protect my wife and children while I'm gone. When he finished praying, his wife said, Who do you think protects us when you're here, when you're not here? Good question. In Hebrews 13 verse 5, the writer says, And promises that God will never leave you or forsake you. Meaning, he is promising you that, that, that I will be, I will be present in your life day by day, month by month, year to year, minute by minute, and second by second. Psalms 91 verse 1 and 2 reminds us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. You see with God there is abiding faithful protection. Just like a bird takes under the wings of its parent, the believer who lives under the cover of God's covenant wings will always find safety. Nobody knows this better than Tony Dungy. As most of you know, he was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Tony has a long-standing reputation for being a man uh, of impeccable integrity and strong character. Little did he know how his fate would be tested. The, the Colts were nearing the end of the 2005 season. They were 13-0 and and had just come home from beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. The, the phone rang at 1.45 a.m. The nurse informed him that his son, J Jamie, had taken his own life. Tony says the next several days were all uh, like a, a fog. They flew to Tampa where Jamie was enrolled in college and, and began making plans uh, for his funeral. Tony says Lauren and I uh, weren't sure how we'd get through this, but we recognized that we were going to have to cling to God's strength and, and love if we were going to have a chance. After Jamie's homecoming celebration, as they called it, I would like to call mine like that too, uh, Tony faced a difficult situation. Should he go back to Indianapolis and, and try to finish the season and win a Super Bowl, or should he take time to grieve? He took off work for a week, then went back. He said, the Colts didn't need me, but I needed them. We all grieve in our own way, he said. He went on to say, God doesn't promise that once we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we'll be protected from harm and pain and stress. But he does promise that he'll be there to lean on during those times. I, I thought it critical that during this time of my own staggering loss, uh, Tony said that everyone's watching our team see me and live out those lessons rather than quit when times were tough. Tony even goes on to say, over the years, many of my players faced tragedies. I've always said that trusting in, in the Lord was, was the answer. Now facing 
my own tragedy, Tony said, I knew I needed to accept the truth that God's love and power were sufficient. I've never met Tony Dungy, but from reading his book, I've come to appreciate the strength of his character and the depth of his faith. And I feel confident if we're, that if he was here today and he'd answered the question before us without a moment's hesitation, because you want to know who my help comes from, Tony will tell you, and I'll tell you, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And may the same be said of you and of me when hard times happen and bad things happen. Our last point this morning, my Lord's protection is around me. Taken from seven through eight. The Lord will keep you from all evil. It will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The, the psalmist says to be kept from all evil. It does not imply a trouble-free life, but a well-protected life. The great psalm of Psalm 23 verse 4 says, The great shepherd said this to us, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you hear that? Do you hear that from our great shepherd? Again, Jesus said in John 16, 33 to his disciples, I've said these things to you that in, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In Psalms 118, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. Did you hear that? On my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. Joseph, in every trial that he went through, in Genesis 50, 20, says this, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Painful, yes. Paralyzing, no. Paul, in his beautiful chapter, Romans 8, 35 to 39, writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Once again, this verses do not teach us that you will never have problems or troubles or trials in your life, but rather that evil will never win out, that nothing can change God's purposes for your life, that nothing can separate you from God's love for you in Christ. Moreover, the psalmist in verse 7 says that are going out and, and coming in, meaning that every aspect of my life and your life and, and, and the life that we live on this earth is another example of, of what, how the Hebrew language using a pair of opposites to express totality. You're, you're coming and you're going and everything in between, God is there. So it's not just a transition in life. God watches over all the in-betweens as well. 
whether at home or school or work or away, whatever you do, wherever you go, you are safe because God is with you. It, it, this draws attention to the details of life, that God is in the big things and the little things. Aren't you glad? I love how the psalmist ends this song from this time forth and forevermore. God is watching over you right now and he will continue to watch over you forever. Jesus said in one of his last sayings in Matthew 20 verse 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. So God's promise to watch over you in Christ is true today. It will be true tomorrow and it will be true forevermore. Eugene Peterson says it so very well. The Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden where we can walk and, and talk uninterruptedly with our Lord, nor a fantasy trip to a heavenly city where we can compare blue ribbons and gold medals with others who have uh, made it to the winner's circle. No, the Christian life is going to God and being with Him forever. That's what we look forward to. See, see the reality is, is every Christian travels the same ground. Everyone walks on the same pavement, breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same government, pay the same prices for groceries and, and gasoline, fear the same dangers like the coronavirus. All of this are subject, we're all subject to the same pressures and, and the same distresses and, and, and eventually be buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we take, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by an almighty God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep your life. That's His promise. In closing, we are on a journey to God and Psalms 121 is a wonderful song for the journey. Verses 1 through 6 were all in the present tense describing what God does for you. In, in verses 7 and 8, we are given promises for the future telling us what God will do for you. And in this verses, the psalm moves from giving specific examples to one overriding general principle that the Lord will keep you from all harm. Yes, from the coronavirus. Yes, from any virus that will still come. David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, read Psalms 121, Psalms 135, in worship before he left for Africa in, in 1840. How appropriate for all of us who rightly see ourselves as pilgrims or travelers in, in a world that is not our home. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. For whence comes my help? This makes sense in the light of the great redemptive storyline of the Bible. After all, it was from a hill and beyond that our salvation has come 
This is the God who is our help. Why would you look anywhere else? The maker of heaven and earth watches over every aspect of your life and mine. He protects you from all harm. There are no accidents for those who belong to God. And that means you do not need to worry or to be afraid of anything. Even this virus. Nothing can happen to you without God's knowledge. Nothing can harm you under his protective care. Even the worst things that happen to you, whether illness, loss, or even death, all these things take place under God's providential care. God is for you, not against you. He is committed to your good, and you can trust him in all things. But if you're not a believer, I want you to know that you need this help. Not just to save you from this world, but to save you from eternity. And Jesus lived a life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died. And if you believe in him, that he resurrected on the third day and offering you the free gift of salvation, God promises you eternal life. Have a blessed day, Watermark family. And I will see you next week. Will you pray with me? Our great God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Psalms. God, thank you for assuring us, O Lord, through this Psalms that you are there with us every step of the way, every minute, and every second forevermore. I thank you, O Lord, that our help does not come from anyone or anything else, but the one who created heaven and earth. And that God would give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.